Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hooligan Report. I'm joined today just by Cruyff. Good morning. And uh, in, in a good one-on-one interview, I guess. Um, how have you been, Cruyff? How, how are you finding um, Arsenal's last few results? You know, the pressure's off and we start to perform again. If it was like <laughs> that all season, it, it'd be really good. But unfortunately, it's not the case. But it's nice to see players like Iwobi really working hard showing some of the senior players how things should be done. Him and Welbeck in particular really really show how hard hard work goes and and and, and um, I guess the determination for the team where players like Walcott, uh, Oxley Chamberlain, Ramsey could really learn from that and and things like that. I find it really interesting with Iwobi because obviously we've got Tuba Akpom on loan uh, and he's not even making the squad these days because of his lack of effort um, and his attitude in, in, in matches and in training. Um, and I find it really interesting because surely a player like that, who was on the cusp of the Arsenal senior squad at the start of the season, I mean, Wenger said he wasn't going to send Akpom out on loan again. Um, so he was quite close, but surely he has to look at someone like Iwobi and, and the amount of work and work ethic that Iwobi has and sort of look at himself and say, well, okay, this is why I'm out on loan at Hull, not getting a game, and that's why this guy's starting games for Arsenal and scoring and, goals in the Premier League. scoring, yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to how you are as a person as well, whether how ambitious, how driven you are, how hard you want to work. It's, I think it's um, not as black and white as maybe yeah. we're both painting it. It's sort of personality traits as well, whether if you just have that... Like today's attitude, oh yeah, she'll be right, mate, sort of thing. I'll get there. I've got, I know I've got the talent, but talent isn't really much use in football without hard work. And someone like a Ben Arthur is the perfect perfect example exactly. of that, who had all the talent. Exactly. Exactly. And he's now playing in France. Um, all, so that... all, although on Ben Arthur, I saw last night he scored thirteen goals in the game, yeah. so he's he's I think... made, maybe a bit of a revival. Yeah, I think he's on the radar of a few of the bigger clubs. I'm not sure. Um, I, I do know that he was linked to a few. Um, higher Premier League clubs, which was a bit interesting because it can, it can sort of um, descend into that sort of cycle again where he, he looked really good in France and got picked up by Newcastle, had a flashy start to his career there and then sort of tailed off. Whether that would happen again if he, he came back into the lights of the Premier League, I'm not so sure. But he's enjoying himself at the moment in France, that's no doubt. Definitely. Maybe being back in France is, is good for him as well, home country and all that. So culture. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, uh, uh, he's the perfect example, though. All the so much talent, but the attitude and, and other things really just sort of take a, a, a gloss off off his um off him as a player, I guess. And another perfect example, which will lead us right into the first game to review, is Eden Hazard, who I think even was quoted recently as saying he just didn't have that drive to really push himself to be one of the best in the world, uh, and it's really showing this season. Um, but Chelsea still managed to get a 4-0 win over Aston Villa, which these days is about par for, for a performance against Aston Villa, I think. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's, it's, it's like uh, winning a race against a fat kid. What's the, what, it's not really much <laughs> yeah. of an achievement. I mean, it's, it's, it's Villa, really. So. But you want to be winning. If you lose or draw, exactly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all credit to Chelsea. I mean, uh, uh, they were very convincing. As I said, poor Villa side, but... You can't take much away from Chelsea. They, they showed up and they did what they had to do and, and they were playing quite good football. And of note, I think it was Alexander Pato's first start for Chelsea and he also got his first goal. Oh, first appearance, he came on as a sub for the injured Remy. Oh, sorry, yeah. I think, yeah, but yeah, came on to well-taken penalty and, 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 and looked good. 
And I think he he also got the assist for um well I mean if you consider it an assist for the Pedro's four uh, yeah goal at the end um which was a good shot um what is there to say about Villa I mean they've sacked Remy Gard over the international break and I think they've gotten a got a caretaker manager in yeah, uh, to Eric, see out the season Eric, Eric Black um would it make sense for Villa to look to bring in a permanent manager before the end of the season so that he can run the rule over the squad I guess or would it be better waiting for the summer because they might get a better quality manager because managers might not want to come in well, you've just, and add a relegation? You just brought up two very good points for each each argument. It's it's which one do you do? But, I mean, can they get a high-quality manager? Who can they get? Well, well, yeah. When I say high-quality manager, I mean like a Nigel Pearson versus yeah. they, bringing can, someone... Can a, new, can a new manager do that much with the squad that they have? Maybe bring him in early so he can put his stamp on the squad and then uh, sort of hone it over in the pre-season. But there's just so much work to do there. It'd be interesting to see if they um, they get if they do go after someone like I know Pearson and also David Moyes for some reason are being linked. Uh, if they actually sort of announce them immediately after the final match of the season, to sort of be like to to literally give them as much time as possible, but not have them connected to the relegation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, 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 I don't know why Gard took the job in the first place. I don't think he's a bad manager, but what he had to work with was just rubbish. And you can definitely tell Villa aren't on, on, aren't on um, drugs. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think Gard had a bit of a hissy fit after January because apparently he'd been promised funds in January to change the squad, which might, have been, might, might explain why he went into the job. But um, they didn't sign any players in January, so whether that was... Um, whether there was any truth to the fact that he had funds to work with or whether the board sort of lost confidence in him and, and refused him funds would be an interesting one to find out. Yeah, it's. I, I don't think um, the, the Villa board have handled anything well in the past how many X months, but it's, it's, if, if Gar's been promised funds to strengthen the squad, which they clearly need strengthening, and then the board have gone back on that promise, it just says everything about the, the club. Yeah. Um, there have been a few 4-0 wins to chat about, so we'll move on to your mob, who uh, got the 4-0 win over Watford, and we've already talked a bit about Awobi's um, performance in that game. Um, does this sort of get your season back on track, so to speak? I mean, you're one game in hand on Spurs and Leicester, and if you win that, you're only one point behind Spurs. Is is there any chance of getting back in the title race, or is that sort of is it just about finishing as high as possible now? They may be a 3% chance. But, um, so very, very slim. But, I mean, if football's a funny game and if, if Leicester and Spurs drop points, not not saying they will, if they do, and we win our game in hand and keep winning, then it sort of makes things interesting. But I can't see it happening. But, I mean, I think we just need to consolidate on, on good performances and just keep going and finish as high as we can. Whether that's first, second or third, um, who knows. But um, it's, it's nice to see that the team performing again. Just a shame they couldn't do it when it really mattered. But I guess we can't have it uh, both ways, and oh, well, we can. But um, it'd be nice. But it's good to see that they've pulled their finger out and sort of playing the football we we know they're capable of. And I think Wenger's finally worked out his right balance in midfield with El Nene and Cochrane, and and that, that's the midfield that should be starting and and giving players like Welbeck and Iwobi chances where they work hard for the team. Joel Campbell as well. Um, and, and leaving players like Giroud, who's been out of form for a while, and, and Walcott undeserving on the bench. 
Um, and what have you made of Watford's season as a whole? Because I know they started the season really strongly and were looking decent for a top 10 sort of position. Um, and they've certainly tailed off a lot now that they've got to about that 37, 38 point mark, which is basically safety. Um, does I always find it interesting when that happens with sides because does that sort of show a lack of ambition? Because it's as if the manager's basically said to the players or the board have said to the manager, well, thanks very much, boys. You've got a safety. That's all we were after. You know, you can stop trying now. And it always strikes me as a bit odd because surely you want to push on and finish as high as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's... I just checked around 37 points from 31 games. I think, in in a word, this this season will be surprising um, to, to, to sum it up in a word. But I, I think a, a lot of people might have might have written them off before the season began. But they've proved a lot of people wrong, and they have played good football at times with Dini and Igalo up top. So, I mean, they'll look to consolidate on that next season. And, and I'd, I'd say they'd be aiming for a mid-table sort of finish. I don't think they could be disappointed with 14. Could they have probably finished a bit higher? Yes, but they've had that sort of form slump over the new year and, and, in, and into into 2016. But I don't think they can be disappointed at all. With um how this how this season's gone, and of course they knocked us out of the FA Cup, so it's they don't really have any reason to be annoyed or disappointed. Actually, that's a great point. So they're still in the FA Cup, so they've um they've got a chance, you know, however slim of um winning a piece of silverware there, which which might be where where their focus is now. But I mean, I certainly had them down as getting relegated, so I can't really say that that their position hasn't surprised me. So it's it's certainly a very good achievement from them, and Igalo and Dini in particular looked very, very exciting earlier in the season, so it'll be interesting to see um, if they can kind of recapture that form going into next season or, or whether there's any interest from bigger clubs for either of them uh, in, in the off-season. Um, the third 4-0 win was for Man City against Bournemouth, who, <laughs> like like Arsenal, has sort of sort of trying to get back into that top four um, race. And also, like Arsenal, they've got a game in hand, so they've got the um, double game week next week. Um they're still, they're only one point ahead of Man United for that top four spot, so it's very, very much hanging by a thread for them. Um, and it's interesting because I mean they they seem to beat up on these smaller clubs like Bournemouth and I think it was Norwich a few weeks ago. Or actually, no, Norwich was nil nil, wasn't it? It was it was one of the other clubs uh, that they they beat by quite a healthy margin. But they seem to struggle um, to get any sort of consistency at the moment. How have you found their last few games? Well, the the goals against the Bournemouth were, were great. I mean, they, they, I, I saw another say with with the Bruno, they've won fifty nine percent of games, and without him, they've only won thirty three. So the, the 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 contrast there is quite stark. But um, I think the Bruno coming back will give them that consistency they need and, and another goal threat. Um, as, and their goals against Bournemouth were, were were great. The 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 dink from from Aguero to Silva, and then. The side foot to De Bruyne, who then side footed in from the edge of the box, it was just absolutely magnificent play. And as I said, they've, they've missed De Bruyne a lot. And that, I, th- I think they should be the favourites for fourth if, if they just keep continuing the way they're going. Obviously, in- injuries will, will play a bit of a part, but obviously they've probably got the best squad in the league, aside from maybe Chelsea. But obviously, the, neither of those clubs are performing to the level they should be. But yeah. I think they should be favourites for fourth. Um, and then on the flip side, like with Watford, I mean, Bournemouth have had a pretty surprising season, I think, for most pundits' point of view. Um, they were sort of the easy target, I suppose, in the pre-season as a, as a relegation pick because of the size of the club and the strength of the squad. 
Um, but there were some who who had sort of uh, seen them play in the championship or, or knew Eddie Howe's tactics, and who really thought that they'd be okay in the Premier League. And they've certainly proven that. When you consider the fact that they're, they're level on points with Everton, that may well be an indictment on Everton, but it's incredibly impressive from Bournemouth as well to essentially be mid-table. Definitely. I mean, as you said, a lot of people wrote them. I had no idea about them. I think I just put them in the relegation zone because it seemed like a smart thing to do, and it was, I was going with the tide. But, um, I mean, yeah, they've surprised a lot of people. So, I mean, they're actually ahead of Watford, looking at the yeah. table. Though yeah. Watford, you have a game in hand. But, I mean... There's no reason why they should be disappointed with this. You know, they, they beat. I think they beat City early on in the season, didn't they? Um, yeah, I think so. Or, was, or it a few, a, was it they, a draw? They, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they pulled off a few shock results, which, and again, all credit to them. So I mean, oh, that, no, that's right. They had they beat Chelsea and United back to back, and they were only the second team in the Premier League era to do that, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy. So I mean, it, good good on them, and I think again, like Watford, they'll look to consolidate on the season. Hopefully, neither side suffers from second season syndrome as we as we see so often. After a side's been promoted, they have that good good first year, and then they sort of just dwindle away, and then they're, they're, they're duking out in the relegation zone. But I mean, I don't think Bournemouth are, are an unlikable club, and they'll they'll look to, to to hopefully gain some more neutral fans and and uh, progress on their Premier League status. Uh, and then the third promoted club, Norwich, also had a great win over Newcastle 3-2, uh, scoring in stoppage time. And that result really gives them a shot in the arm because they're now, they're now four points clear of that relegation zone and it has a really big impact on the relegation zone itself. Um, are Newcastle just about gone? Yeah, I think you can write them off. I mean, six 20, points. Yeah. yeah, 25 points from 31 games, two behind Sunderland in 18, six behind Norwich in 17, who are out of the drop zone. I mean, you've got to start asking questions now. I think Mike Ashley is a detriment to that club, as, as everyone will so often um, say. But I mean, I think you can pretty much put a fork in them. They, they'll, they'll need a lot of results to go their way, and they'll have to start performing much better than what they have been to to escape the drop. And, and sadly, I mean, you look at the fact that they have a game in hand as perhaps a, a chance for them to cling to some hope, but their game in hand is against City, yeah. who uh, Aguero put five past them the last time they played. But, and, and Yeah, and even then, a, a game in hand at this point in the season, if you're winning that game in hand and you're still going to be in a relegation zone, you're in big strife. Yeah, and I, I feel like at this stage of the season, games in hand are actually a detriment rather than a positive, because... I. I Hull have a game in hand as well in the championship, and uh, and Middlesbrough had games in hand at uh, a point early, a little bit earlier in the season, and people kind of cling to that and assume that that's going to be three points in the bank. Yeah, um, you kind of unconsciously always say, "Oh, well, there's a game in hand. Well, that's going to be an extra three points," and it's not always the case. And in some ways, it actually puts more pressure on the players because their rivals put points on the board, like Norwich have done and actually have those points in the bank. And Newcastle then have that pressure to go out and get those three points, <clears throat> excuse me, which they might not actually be able to get. Um, and it puts that extra pressure on them. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it can be detrimental, as you've said. And um, you'd like to think it's going to be three points, but it's often not that straightforward. And at the point in the season, and if you're in the relegation zone, I think three-point things are, are very hard to try and guarantee your club. Absolutely. Um, we, we then had probably the resident uh, shit fight matchup on the uh, sun, uh, 
was it Sunday night? No, it was a late game on the Saturday uh, between Liverpool and Spurs. And unfortunately, it finished 1-1. It would have been nice to see one of them get the victory so it would at least shut up the uh, the losing set of fans. But we had the draw, so we've, we've got both of them thinking that they came out on top in that one. Um, how did you how did you see the matchup between Liverpool and Spurs? I only really saw the goals, but I think, to me, Spurs are still uh, uh, sort of rung ahead of Liverpool in terms of where they are as the club and the players at the club. Probably a bit controversial, but I mean, and I can't, I don't think I really can be accused of being biased being an Arsenal fan because I don't particularly like Spurs, but the way they're playing and the players they have, it's hard not to sort of appreciate um, how they're going about things, the, the style of football uh, Pochettino has them playing and the results they're getting. I mean, that's, and that's not really anything, that's not something to say bad about Liverpool, but I mean, they, they've suffered under Rodgers. Klopp's going to take a while to, uh, put his stamp on things and bring in players he wants and, and get the team uh, as, co- as cohesive as he would like. But I think right now Spurs are the ones that are ahead and um, it says something about Liverpool trying to always compare themselves to Spurs where Spurs are sit- sitting second on the table and, and will have Champions League next season whereas Liverpool just keeps sort of comparing themselves to Spurs. Oh, we're better than you at this, we're better than you at that, rah, 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 rah. But, I mean, the table really doesn't lie. Well, it was quite interesting because I think it would have been early in the season um, with a group of my mates. We were chatting about who we thought was closer to a first Premier League title between Liverpool and Spurs, and I was quite confident in saying Spurs. And at that point of the season, Spurs weren't... I don't think they were even sitting in the top four, and so it it attracted a bit of... um, Controversy. Controversy, and it's it's hard not to go past Spurs as having that more well-rounded squad, and I think on the board in the last few days... um, there was a bit of a discussion about uh, Spurs' chances of backing up next season. And I think the, the common theme between Leicester and Spurs, who've both surprised pretty much everyone this season, is the fact that their squad is so cohesive and that they actually are almost better than the sum of the parts because uh, you look at Spurs and they've got so many of their youth players coming through, whether it's Kane or whether it's um, even guys like Mason and Dyer. Well, I mean, Dyer they only got a few seasons ago, but, but or, like, yeah, it's that young English core. Um, that's really quite cohesive. And you look at someone like Liverpool, who every season they seem to ha- you know, chop and change so much of their squad. And it'll likely happen for again for, for Liverpool, for, for City, for United, who'll bring in a bunch of new players who are highly rated. They'll spend 30 to 40 million on them. And then there'll be all of this imbalance in the squad. Um, I mean, we're talking about Goetze coming in for Liverpool. And do they need another attacking midfielder? Probably not. So it's a very interesting one. Um, I did want to make the point, though, it was a bit a bit interesting that Spurs fans seem to um, have a bit of a higher opinion of their squad than perhaps is warranted. Um, I mean, having said that they've got quite a cohesive squad, you look at their, some of their depth players, and I'm not too sure that they really stack up compared to other top four or top six challenges. When you've got guys like, I mean, Ryan Mason, Tom Carroll, Ben Davies, Kieran Trippier... Um, Michelle Vorm, Townsend, who's now gone, um, Pritchard. I mean, Pritchard's highly rated, so I think he'll he'll come on in, in time. But Danny Rose. I mean, Danny Rose has sort of improved this season, but and Bentaleb as well. Um, they're they're good players, but they're not great players. Um, and I don't think that they'd really get much cha- many chances at other top four challenges. I, I, I think Verm as a second keeper is, is quite a solid choice. It's a second keeper, playing second goalkeeper is, I guess, a, t- a tough position to be in. And it, the, the depth, I think, considerably drops off there 
more than any other position. But I don't think he, he's a bad backup. I'm not saying he's fantastic, but I don't think he's terrible. Um, Mason's been okay from what I've seen. Haven't seen much of Carroll. Uh, I'm trying to think of other players you named. Trippier, has, I don't think he's been given that much of a chance, has he? Um, he has started... Uh, yeah, he's only started five games, and what, then yeah. there's one off the bench. Um, the other one, of course, is Chadley. Who, Chadley had a very good season last year. Um, from memory, he scored quite a few goals early on, but he hasn't quite looked up to it this season, I, and he's, I think, he's had 10 starts. I think he's good backup, though. I mean, that's a handy winger to have to come off the bench sort of 60 minutes in and sort of run at defenders with, with fresh legs, but I don't think that's a bad backup either. But um, I don't think... Like sort of players, I don't think Ben Davies is, is too bad. I'm not saying he's fantastic again, but I don't think he's terrible. But I think sort of the players like Carroll and and sort of the younger ones you mentioned, um, maybe some of the Spurs fans are getting a bit carried away there. But then if we look at Liverpool's depth, like, is it that much better? Um, well, that's a fair point. I mean, they've certainly got the depth uh, up top that Spurs don't have. Um, <laughs> when you look at Liverpool, they just have an absolute glut of strikers. Um, but but then there's one in Balotelli who they don't yeah. want. I mean, Sturridge is never on the park. Firmino can play up top, I guess. And Ariki's looked okay. But yeah, he's certainly uh, come on this season. Benteke they don't want. So what, is, 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 is the depth really that great if, if, if three of the players they don't want there? I mean, it's... I don't know. I, I, I don't think Benteke's a, a poor player by any means. I'd take him at Arsenal. I think he'd fit well in our system. But... I mean, it's 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 an interesting topic, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And then they're in in defence for them, they've got players like Lovren and Toure. Lovren's looked a little bit better this season, but mm-hmm. I mean, he still doesn't seem to be up to scratch for a, for a top four side. I, I, Gomez... th- I think. Uh, sorry to cut you off. I think sorry, Toure's sorry. done. Yeah. I, I think he'll be he'll be moved on next season. Sacco, I'm um, not Sacco. Um, Skirtle, Skirtle will go. So, but then again, not bad depth to have, but. Reading comments from Liverpool fans on the board, he seems pretty much done. And of course, um, their centre midfield, which is apparently world class, when you've got um, Henderson and Chan in there, um, I think Chan could be a promising player for them. But yes, definitely. I think, I think it's a little early to call him um, world class. There, there, there was a thing made the other day where a midfield of Jan Henderson, um, oh, I can't remember who else was was, was Coutinho and Goethe, was it? I think it was a the presuming the league, but there's no there's no there's no strength there. I mean, who's the ball winner in that in that four? Yeah. You could say Jan, but he's not like a sort of tough guy that can't do the do. It's sort of like your cockalong. Like he, there's there's no strength there really. Like creativeness, yes, but but strength, I I don't see it. Um, and, and Firmino's their top scorer in the Premier League at the moment with eight goals. Uh, Coutinho is an interesting one that we haven't really touched on. He I remember pre-season, I think, suggesting that for him to really sort of break out and be considered one of the best in the Premier League, he needed probably about 10 goals for the season and, and you know, seven or eight assists sort of thing. Um, and so he's he's on track for that because he's got seven in the Premier League. Um, what have you made of Coutinho's season? If he continues on his rise, he's better than... Liverpool, in my opinion, and I don't mean that in any disrespect, but I mean you see big clubs come knocking. Not saying that Liverpool aren't a big club, but continue. I think he's only twenty-four, maybe. Um, if he keeps on his on, on on this sort of rise, there's no reason why he couldn't go to a, a bigger club 
or, or, or a more prestigious club, I guess, in the Champions League, providing Liverpool don't make it. And I, I think I don't think he deserved. Did he get Player of the Year last year for Liverpool? Oh no, he got Player of the Year last year. Oh, it? sorry. Um, maybe, maybe it was Hazard. I think but it's Hazard. Yeah. I, I mean, he had this flourish around January to April or something last year. Cool, but what did he do for the first half of the season? Yeah. I, I mean, but I, I, th- I think he's probably their best player. Definitely one of their most important. I mean, people will be saying, oh, what about Sturridge? But Sturridge is barely on the pitch now. So, I mean, no no denying his talent. But, I mean, in terms of uh, like for likes, I guess, I think it would be quite hard for Liverpool to replace Coutinho. Um, yeah, he was the Players' Player of the Year and Fans' Player of the Year last yeah, year for Liverpool, but not for the Premier League. Um, okay. But if you want to hear something depressing, he's actually three months younger than me, so he's only 23 still. Just <laughs> like he's, he's, he'd be in probably the sort of top ten uh, attacking mids in in the league, but m- maybe top seven off the top of my head. But I mean, if if he if he's only twenty three and he's he's obviously a very good player now, he keeps going. I think like you could see him fitting him at Barca. At a yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, he's got I think that sort of that technical yeah. style where maybe could replace Iniesta, but I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then we've also had Leicester winning 1-0 against Southampton, which is sort of a predictable scoreline these days for Leicester. And they're just sort of doing what they need to do, keeping a clean sheet, scoring one goal, and you know another three points in the bank. Um, six games to go now. I think they need another 12 points to um, basically lock up the title. Leicester are doing what champions do, and what champions do is win. And it might not be pretty, it might not be nice on the eye, but they're getting results, and... Football is a results business, and they're doing what they need to do. And you see, uh, uh, past champions over the years grind out those one nil wins, get those lucky wins that they probably shouldn't have, and that's what exactly what Leicester are doing. Um, and then, with, I'm sorry, they were, they were very lucky against Southampton. I think that Simpson was a definite handball, yeah, probably hard to, to see, probably hard to see in real time. But looking at the replay, you can see he brings his arm in and sort of swats the ball away. For me, no doubt a red and a penalty. Um, but it's, I guess, l- luck of the draw, really. I'm sure Leicester have had some results go their way or against them, but they shouldn't have. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's just what happens. And, and whether it's a conspiracy as seen by some outlets, who knows? But, I mean, they're, they're, they're where they are because of the football they've played, and, and I don't think many people can really deny that. I did see a very interesting point, which was that it wasn't necessarily a conspiracy, which would suggest that it was sort of a conscious... Um, you know, fixing of results, but it might be more of a sense that these referees and and whoever look at Leicester and say, do I want to be the one who gets a decision wrong that might cost this side the title in this ridiculous season? And not not that they do that deliberately or consciously in their mind, but unconsciously referees might, towards the end of the season, be sort of much more tentative about making a a controversial or a 50-50 call against Leicester because of a fear that... um, it could impact on that title run. Definitely. And but and I guess you can't really help that in a way where yeah. if, if you're not sure, do you call the decision, do you let it go, what do you do? But, I mean, tough job being a referee, but it's... it's Yeah, you don't, you sort of don't want to be the one, or you might not want to be the one that, that is... that uh, you, You've got the finger of blame um, uh, for, for not getting them the title. Yeah. Uh, and then in the final game of the week, we had United uh, beating Everton 1-0. Um, and similar to Watford, I guess, Everton have the FA Cup to focus on as well. But 
Um, having already mentioned, they're, they're level on points with Bournemouth in the, in the lower half of the table. I mean, they're behind West Brom. Um, they've certainly had a very disappointing season, and <clears throat> you've got to wonder what Martinez's future at Everton is. As Kizza says, every time he's a fraud, and I, I completely agree now. He, Lukaku has bailed him out something shocking, and I think with it, without Lukaku, you'd see the, the, the real worries at Everton, and even Barkley at times too. If, if the, the, He's got Dallafeu, Barkley, McCarthy, uh, Lennon now, Lukaku. I mean, you should be getting res- better results than... We, I mean, what did you say was 14th in the table or something? Yeah. I mean, for players with, with those five alone, you should be getting much better, much better results than sitting in 12th with 38 points after 30 games. I mean, Stone's young, yeah, maybe too much hype around him, maybe that's affecting him. But Coleman's not a poor player. Baines isn't a poor player. Um, Jake Yelka's not poor. Maybe Joel Riblas they can uh, they can improve on. But I think the defensive side of Everton needs a lot of work, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Martinez out of a job at some point next season if they keep continuing where they are. I think he, he basically needs to win the FA Cup from here to... Um to repair his standing with the fans and the and the club, I suspect. Um, they've just had a new investor come in in the last month or two um, to the tune of, I think it's, oh, I don't know I don't know the numbers, but it's a significant amount of money being invested into that club. And I'm sure they would look at Martinez as a manager and what he's actually doing in terms of performances uh, and, and reconsider his position at the club. As you say, I mean, it seems to be one where they, he might, get the chop early next season if, if results keep going to form. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, it's, yeah. He's, he's, I don't think he's a good manager. Yeah, well, it's amazing. I mean, Jats keeps going on about how, you know, there aren't many managers to get a promotion after um, after failure, and he, he got Wigan relegated. Granted, he won them the FA Cup, but um, to then get the job at Everton, yes, they, he, he then got, got them finishing fifth, which we have to remember, but... Um, I'm not sure who made the point that that might have been before his defensive philosophy took hold at the club, uh, and we've seen the fruits of that since then with, um, as you say, quite a poor defensive record. Definitely, and you, you just wonder what they actually work on in training defensively because time and time again you've seen them just be torn apart and with silly errors and, and, and all sorts of things. So it's just... Yeah, you you wonder what's going on there with the defensive side. Um, and then we'll move on to the previews now and, and touch on a side that we haven't discussed yet, which is um, West Ham, who are playing your mob uh, in the early game tonight, uh, and Dimitri Payet, who um, has scored a couple of fantastic free kicks since the last podcast, one for France and also one against Crystal Palace. Um, he has to be just about player of the season, doesn't he? I mean, if, you, if, if you're not going to... Sorry, not player of the season, signing of the season. Um, if you, if no, you're not... Player of the season isn't really an unfair call either, really. But it definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely signing of the season. I can't think of anyone else who's who, who who would be up there. I think Kante's the only one that I mention oh, as, Kante, a, as a rival. Yeah. But yeah. Um, in terms of the... I mean, you look at West Ham's results when he's out of the side. I don't know the exact percentage of wins with him versus wins without him. But when he got injured in that middle stretch of the season and they started to drop off a bit, mm-hmm. you could just you could measure his impact. I mean as soon as he as soon as he came back into that side, their results started picking up again. So yeah. he, he sort of embodies that side at the moment. Are they sort of turning into a one man team with him though? That I mean that would be the concern and I 
it'll be really interesting to see what they do in the off season in in terms of um, bolstering the squad so that they can kind of spread the load a bit more. Yeah, it, yeah, it'll be definitely interesting indeed. And with the new the new money coming in, they'll have a lot more to play with, and, and they're living with Batshuayi from Marseille and, and a yeah. few other and um, Havard Nordbeek, the former Arsenal um, youth player. So and apparently Sung's on his way out. So, I mean, if they strengthen wisely, there's no reason why they can't finish uh, a similar position as to where they are now, sort of top six, top seven sort of thing. So, I mean, yeah. And Lanzini's another one who's looked quite impressive for them uh, in his season. And they've also signed him permanently. Yeah, I think that was announced uh, quite recently as well. Um, yeah. So, as a young player, he, he looks quite promising for them as well. Um, this is So, obviously, these are all... Um, rematches of the first game of the season and <laughs> it's probably an unhappy memory for you because I believe it was, was it 2-0 or 3-0? 2-0 at the Emirates, yeah. Where um, Czech did not cover himself in glory. Yeah. Um, how do you see this one turning out? Well, we've got a very good record at Upton Park. It's the last time um, we'll play them there uh, as they'll be moving to the new stadium. I Right now, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat us but at the same time, you got to do you look at history, take that into account because, as I said, we've got a good record there. We're not playing poorly now either, so I think it'll be quite a good game. Might, I, to, to give you a score, I don't actually know. It'll be close either way, I think, but I think we might snag it 2 1. Yeah, I'm probably with you on that. I think Arsenal will, will get the result here. As, as, we, as we said at the start of the podcast, I think Arsenal's playing with a bit more freedom um, th- at this time of the season. Yeah, I, I, I think Iwobi will start. Uh, and and probably Welbeck too, and and Sanchez has hit some form again, so so that'll be interesting against. I think Jenkinson's their right back, or yeah. if he's on, uh, he might be on. Is he on loan? If he's on loan, he can't play. Um, um, that's a good question, actually. I think he might be on loan. Yeah, if he, he won't be able to play then. Um, but I mean, Sanchez has hit some form again, so that and and Ozil's always a threat. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how how West Ham cope with that, and and how and um, how we cope with Payet. Absolutely. Um, Aston Villa at home to Bournemouth. Uh, it's a, it's a kind of, it's an interesting game in a way because I mean Villa are pretty much done. I think they're actually mathematically relegated if Norwich pick up a win uh, and Villa lose against Bournemouth. So they don't really have a whole lot to play for, to be honest. But if they were ever going to get a result, it would be against someone like Bournemouth, whose season is basically done. Um, but do you see Bournemouth getting the result? You'd like to think they could against a very poor Villa side, but as a, as we said, Bournemouth have been a bit up and down lately. So you you you'd probably back Bournemouth, but at the same time, it could be a draw. But I think if if they did draw, Bournemouth would be very disappointed with themselves. Yeah, I, I think that Bournemouth can probably get the win here, but it's going to be. Um, it'll be interesting in terms of, of how the result pans out, but it's not probably not going to be a game I, I tune into. Um, Norwich away to Crystal Palace is, is an interesting one because Palace, for all of the fact that they started the season so well, and they were up there with, with West Ham and with Leicester and Spurs and so on, is one of those sides that you really kind of admired for how they, they were going in the season. They haven't won in 2016, and it's now April. It and makes you wonder how Pardew still has a job. Yeah, I mean, and seven points off the relegation zone, yeah, so they're, probably they're just about safe. They're dangerously close to that, though. They do have the game in hand, but again, if they don't win it, they're in big trouble. But if they do, they'll sort of be 
six clear in Norwich and, and equal with Swansea. So, I mean, but if, but, if Norwich if, win this one, but Palace, Pal- Pal- yeah, exactly. Palace don't have a poor side, and it makes you wonder what what's gone wrong. I mean, Kabai is not a poor player. They have Balassi, Zaha, Gale, um, Scott Dan, sort of thing. So, I mean, it just it makes you wonder what's all gone wrong for Palace. Yeah, and, and it's it was something talked about when Pardew went there in the first place, I think, because everyone was sort of discussing Pardew's merit, merits as a manager. And he, he seems to have like a good first year or first six to eight months with the club where he really sort of um, hits the ground running with them, but then really sort of tails off. Because if you remember, there was that first season with Newcastle where I think they might have finished um, fifth, I think, in his first season with them. And then since then, it's just been, you know, dropping off a cliff, really. Yeah, I mean, it's just, as I said, wonder how he's still in a job. And, and, and I think he's another one who should uh, sort of be under a bit of, a, a bit of heat. Um, yeah, so absolutely. It'll be very interesting to see uh, the winner of this game because if Norwich win, then... And, and somehow Sunderland pick up a result against Leicester as, as they ch- tend to do at this stage of the season, um, there could be some genuine heat on Palace in terms of, um, in terms of staying up. Um, Southampton at home to Newcastle, and this would sort of be seen as Newcastle's last chance, wouldn't it? I mean, they really need to pick up three points here to have any sort of hope of survival. But yeah, I mean, and, and away from home too, it won't be easy. And I, I think Southampton, you'd have to you'd have to favour them in, in, in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Benitez really hasn't had the impact that I thought he would at Newcastle. I really thought that he'd kind of get them going and pull them pull them to safety. But yeah, it's really not happened for them. Yeah, but I think that's again to the squad and who who are uh, who, who he's been dealt with, and I think having Carver there for so long was a horrible decision, absolutely horrible, and I'm sure NUFC Toy will agree with that. But how he was a given that caretaker job to start with and in it for so long, or I mean, it's just it, Mike Ashley and, and Randy Luna should just get together and fuck yeah. off football, really. I mean, yeah, they are destroying their club, their yeah. clubs. And they're both quite large historical clubs. Definitely, I mean Villa, Villa, and discussion on the board between Villa and Everton have have met the most times in the history of English football because neither have been relegated. Yeah. So I mean it's and but that's going to change after this season with the way Villa are going, and it's sad to see such a, a big club. I mean Villa, they, they won the Champions Cup in '81, so I mean it it it's it's sad to see a club with such historic um, ties, I guess. Going down the gurgler. Um, Swansea at home to Chelsea in the next game, and Swansea have really kind of recovered after they had a very poor start to the season and and sacked um, Gary Monk, and and they're level on points with Watford, uh, and essentially safe. I mean, they're on thirty-seven points. Um, Chelsea, they've probably ruled themselves out of of a Europe, European spot. I would suppose. I can't really see them getting past Liverpool, Stoke, Southampton uh, to get to one of those spots. Um, but So neither side really has too much to play for at this stage, would you say? Oh, it's never over until it's over. But based on what, what you said, sorry, um, it's unlikely that either will finish in Europe. But, I mean, I, I think this might be, be a bit of a banana skin for Chelsea. I wouldn't be surprised if Swansea won. Wales generally gives... Um, uh, teams a, a bit of a tough place to go, but I mean we'll see what happens. But I wouldn't be surprised if Swansea edge it. 
Sigurdsson's been in pretty remarkable form for Swansea. I think he's one of the top scores, scorers in 2016. I, th- I think the stat is that only Aguero has scored more goals than him, or maybe Aguero and Kane have scored more goals than him. So he's certainly been a big part of this Swansea revival. Um, yeah. And he's been a terrific signing for them since um, crossing over from Tottenham. Definitely. And I think he found his level. Maybe Spurs were that little bit too good for him. But, I mean, he's he's excelling at Swansea and he's helping them do well. So I, th- I think it, it's a good match for, for both parties. Um, so Everton have two games this game week. The first of them is against Watford and, and the second's against Palace. Um, away to Watford, um, who are only one point behind them on the table. So it'll be quite an interesting one to see if Everton can and can sort of focus on the league for a bit and, and pull away from that bottom half of the table or whether their mind really is just fixed on the FA Cup at this stage? Mm, yeah, it's... Well, it's, it's an interesting game, I think. And and being at Watford definitely gives Watford a bit of a an upper hand. And if Watford win that, they'll actually go above Everton. So it's... But as you said, the two games in hand, um, Everton have in their favour, but... I think they definitely will have one on the FA Cup and, and they should be primarily focusing on that, I think. I mean, every, every club wants to win a trophy and if Everton get, can get their hands on that, I'm sure they'll be very pleased. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it'll be an interesting one. I do think Everton will probably shade it just because Watford have really sort of um, dropped off form-wise recently. Um, and I think Everton, with, with Lukaku in the form that he's in, really should be putting away Watford, I suspect. Um, the late game on the Saturday night is Man City up against West Brom. Um, just about, I mean, they, they do need to keep winning their games to keep fourth spot, uh, and West Brom aren't an easy opponent, but you would suspect that they would be able to um, edge past West Brom. I'd hope so, but, I mean, oh, I thought that Eddie had, I don't think they'll have much problem. De Bruyne is back, gives them another goal-scoring threat. So, Silva's fit, Aguero's fit. I think those three alone will be hard to deal with. Yeah, I think West Brom season's just about done, so I suspect City should be able to put two or three past them. They're, they're sort of a nothing club, aren't they? They're just there. Yeah. They, they, like, what, what do they actually do? Just... I, yeah. I suspect they're sort of trying to follow the same model that Stoke did, where they've got Pulis there, who's sort of giving them this mid-table. I mean, you have to remember before Pulis came in that they were fighting relegation yeah. um, quite quite um, consistently, and, and they're now 40 points uh, with seven games to go. And they're sitting, you know, four points yeah. behind Chelsea, five behind Liverpool. And I'm sure they they have the the, the board are just happy with that, so they just stay in the Premier League. We have a cup run, we have a cup run. If we don't, it doesn't matter. So I think they're just happy with Premier League status. Yeah, and I mean, with the new money coming in, um, I suspect in the next season or two they might look to move Pulis on, and they'll get someone more attractive in, and mm. and do the same sort of thing that Stoke have done potentially, and, and yeah. try and bring in those more attractive players. Definitely, and I mean, Stokes, Stokes are a good model to follow. I mean, they're sort of becoming a bit harder to dislike now with, with players like Shakiri and Outovic, and they're performing quite well. They've, they've, they've had a, a bit of a run over the season, so, I mean, it's they'd be a good model, model to follow. Um, the early game on the Sunday night is Sunderland at home to Leicester. Um, it's an interesting one because... As we said earlier, this is sort of the point of the season where Sunderland starts to pull those results out of their behinds to sort of secure safety, um, although they're, they're a bit further behind safety than, than they usually would be, I suspect. Um, and Leicester are just grinding out results as they get closer to that title. So uh, it's a bit of a difficult one to call. I mean, if it was at 
for King Power, you might say that it'd be a pretty easy result for Leicester, but away from home, it might put a little bit of pressure on them. Well, I think I mentioned in the match day thread in, in very earlier pages, people have well forgotten now after at 19 pages before <laughs> balls even been kicked. But, I mean, it's sort of now, as you said, around the time where Sunderland's just start to pull results out of their, out of their behind and they go on these, these runs and they, they beat sort of clubs near the top of the table and they, they go on runs and just escape. But um, Le- Leicester are in the form. Many, uh, Ranieri got manager of the month. Yep. So I, I expect them to grind out another 1-0 win. They should have enough quality to get past Sunderland. But um, you just never know what Fat Sam's going to pull out. Um, yeah, I suspect that Leicester should be able to get the result, but I'm finding Leicester harder and harder to predict um, lately. Even, even though they keep winning, you just get that sense that one of these days that run's going to end and that they're going to... Um, drop points somewhere, so it's going to be an interesting one to keep track of, that's for sure. Um, Liverpool at home to Stoke. As we've just been saying, Stoke have, have certainly shaken that dour tag this season, though I am still finding it a bit hard to reconcile that in my mind. I still see them as that sort of um, <laughs> boring Tony Pula side, <laughs> but slowly but surely changing that mentality. Um, yeah. Uh, Liverpool, was it was it 5-1 or 6-1 um, last season? Six, when 6-1 last yeah. day. Um, so that was a pretty amazing result. So I, I guess Liverpool still f- would feel that they owe Stoke a little bit, despite getting that win on opening day of the season. Um, do you see Liverpool getting up in this one? Um, at Anfield, you'd think so. They, they'll probably have... I mean, Sarri just sort of fit again. Whether he starts or not, we don't know. But Coutinho's been in good form. And I think with the movement off the ball from and Firmino too, the movement off the ball between those two alone might be hard to contain for Stoke. And you can see Liverpool sort of just pushing on and, and, and getting the job done. Yeah, I probably agree with you on that one. I think Liverpool will probably have a bit too much to get it done. I think with Sturridge fit now as well, um, if he can start finding his scoring boots as well, then Liverpool become quite a dangerous proposition for sides. Um, they've got quite a lot of attacking options um, in their in their forward line and in their midfield. Um, so I think they'll probably get up 2 or 3-0 in that one, I suspect. Yeah. Um, Spurs at home to United in probably the most significant game of the round in a few ways because if um, if United obviously if United can win that game it keeps putting pressure on City in fourth um, and if Spurs drop points it really almost hands the title to Leicester. Um, alternative alternatively if Spurs win that one it would essentially make City safe in fourth and and of course keep pressure on the title race. So how do you see this one panning out? Um. I think Spurs will do it at the lane. Definitely, home crowd is going to give them a, a, a big boost. United, I mean, they have they do have the firepower up front, but the way Van Hal has them playing is so static and and it's not fluid, and they sort of just they sit back and they defend. And I think if you sit back against Spurs, you're going to cop it. And Kane will be very hard to contain for them. I think it'll be interesting to see how they handle how how Spurs handle Martial. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think Spurs, with that draw against Liverpool, are maybe starting to show a few signs of nerves. Um, watching the extended highlights of that one, I saw that Liverpool did look quite dangerous in the first half. I mean, admittedly, Spurs grew into it in the second half, but um, I do get the sense that maybe there is a, a sense of nerves growing with Spurs players. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how they handle the United side and whether United 
come at them, or if, as you say, I mean, if, if United sit back, it really plays into Spurs' hands and it gives them a chance to grow into the game. I think they will sit back too, especially being at White Hart Lane. So, yeah. I mean, and and we've seen many times seen that Spurs can punish, or do punish teams rather. Absolutely. So, so that'll be quite interesting. Um, and then the final game we've kind of already touched on is is the game in hand for Everton and Palace, um, at home for Palace. Um, depending on the way results go elsewhere, I mean, if Norwich get the win over Palace, then this becomes a really dangerous game for Palace, um, because they they wouldn't be too far off the relegation places, and and they would be level on points with Norwich, so they would they would really be looking for a win against Everton. Yeah, um, but and 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 to focus on that weak Everton defence would be a smart thing to do. But then they have to at the same time if they do that, they need to contain Lukaku too, which is not easy given his size and his frame and 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 the form he's in. I mean, third highest score in the league on eighteen, only behind Vardy and Kane. So, I mean, to 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 score against Everton is one thing, but then to contain Lukaku at the same time is a whole other story altogether. And interestingly, I think they have quite a good record against Everton, so um, it could be quite an interesting one for them. And, and really, I mean, they're another side like Watford and, and Everton who who probably have one eye on the cup. So there's probably a bit of a theme there with with all three sides um, not really playing too well the last you know three or four match days. I mean, obviously in Palace's case, it's been a lot longer than that. But um, they would be. I would think that they'd be looking for at least another win or two to really sort of secure safety, which is. A remarkable thing to think about, considering where they started the season. Definitely, De- definitely. So, it, I mean, it's 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 just it's interesting to see which way it will go. I'd, I'd fancy Everton the way Palace have been going, but it it, it, it might end in a draw. Yeah, I'm 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 probably with you on that one. I think Everton might just shade it, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that one was a draw. Um, well, thank you very much for coming on, Croyf. Thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been an interesting one. I think we've covered a fair few um, topics on that. Yeah, definitely. We definitely have. Um, so thanks very much for everyone for listening in. Um, I'll I'll try and have this up so that everyone can get a chance to listen to it before the games tonight. Uh, and until next time, we'll see you on the forums.